Welcome to Double Burst, a podcast about Dice Masters. We are a group of Utah players that want to bring you the latest Dice Masters news, strategies, tips, and more. Whether you're a new or seasoned player, we hope this show has something for you. I'm KT Data, one of your hosts, and welcome to episode 47. In this episode, we'll be having a discussion on draws versus rolls, which is more important, our featured basic action, upgrade, proton cannon, and we wrap it all up with discussing how to analyze your opponent's team and adjust so you can get the win. So let's kick it off with our discussion on draws versus rolls. Okay, guys, we are here with Zach, the global guru. Zach Green. I, I think that's sticking, right? The global guru. Sure. Yeah, sure. And the KO King, Russ. How are you gentlemen doing today? Good. Um, so we actually had this interesting discussion, and I'm going to try my best to stay unbiased on this. this. So this is almost like a mini little arguing thing. That's why Dr. J is you not here. You can say it as it was. It was a fight. Yeah. I, I mean, you didn't pull out the brass knuckles, that's which kind of surprised me, but okay. Um, so we, we had this kind of debate between what's more important? Getting good draws or having good rolls, Zach. You know, you you were arguing that rolls are far more important than what you draw out of the bag. Oh yeah. Um, and Russ has always been saying that what you draw out of the bag is more important than what you're rolling, right? Correct. So, which one of you guys wants to start out first in terms of defending your stance? I thought the argument was over. You just agreed that the bag is more important. No, that right was me just clarifying oh, that was your stance. Okay. Don't try to drag me into this. <laughs> So the importance of the bag, I think, is going to come in more, much more so with PXG leaving. We've gotten used to not having our bag in competitive because you're just going to rotate through. But we know as we play, if I draw, let's say it's toward the end of a game, I have one dice in my bag that I need and I draw four sidekicks, that could cost me the game. I think you can get around rolls. While the rolls are important, you can get around rolls. I can't get around drawing poorly. There's probably some way that you can get around rolls because I'm not like, I haven't lost all my games. I've won once in a while. But that might just be my opponent taking pity upon me. Uh, could be that. Um, so, but Zach, where, where's your, how's your stance to kind of counter that in terms of getting good rolls? Um, I guess my argument is first and foremost, you, you can't win unless you roll something, right? Everyone's win condition is dependent upon rolling something. If you don't draw them one turn, yeah, it probably delays you a little bit, but if you never roll them, then you're never going to win. It kills your ability to win. But if we're on, let's say that you, I know a lot of us like to play three, maybe even a four card combo. If I have. No, I just play Betrayal these days. <laughs> if I have something that I need to trigger, say, with an action and a character, and I can't get them lined up, uh, like a Medusa Black Bolt combo where I'm going to give Deadly and, and Wipe a Field, if I can't draw on the same turn, then, then that whole combo is out the field. But what if so. you do draw them and don't roll them? Are, are you going to win more easily if you draw them but don't roll them? I could purchase more to increase my odds on more the draw. More of them not to roll? Yes. So either way, you still have to roll them and get them out in order to do the combo, correct? Well, you have to roll, but if you're only going to be drawing sidekicks, the draw is much more important. So is it easier then to cycle through to you know, purchase another die and 
be able to roll that or to mitigate the cycling that through and buy the other one and um, do something like um, the chalkboard and just send it over and roll it the next turn. Which is exactly avoiding the bag, why chalkboard is so good, so I don't have to rely on the You're talking about drawing, though, why drawing was more important. This is... This is going all the way around that. Right, which would go to my argument. You have to negate the bag to be in control, right? You have energy fixers that helps the rolls. You have chalkboard that helps kind of avoid the bag. I like how he doesn't mention parallax. Oh, man. (laughs) I don't even know what that is. So so there are benefits to, to both. I think there's globals, but... To me, the draw, I've been in too many games where I'm late in the game and what I need is at the end of the bag. That's why I don't like big entrance. Big entrance, I still don't think I've ever won a game with big entrance. Can, can I tell happens. you big entrance proves both of these are terrible for me because I never draw it the second <laughs> turn. And when I do, I roll it on two energy. I'm just, just saying. But big entrance is always the last draw for me. So it kind of throws that whole thing out the window. I just think draws... For me, and this is why I I run such a lean bag where I'm only buying one of each character, if that, in a competitive game is because I think controlling the bag and what I draw is so vital to the game. I feel I can get around rolls. I can't get around bad draws. Right, but if, if you can't roll these, you're never going to get those combos out. You have to be able to... I mean, that's the whole main game is to get these combos or get your win condition out in the field. At uh, the PDC draft, all I needed was one of, of, I think, three or four rolls for a dimension door to go through. Didn't roll it, I lost the game. I, I had these other things to mitigate the bag. I had uh, Reclaim to send it back over. I, I didn't have something like uh, the chalkboard, but I was rolling it almost every turn because I had the Superhero Registration Act. I was rolling them every turn and couldn't roll it, and I didn't win. So, I mean, even if you are mitigating your bag, you're sending those over, you have to be able to roll. That's why I think you're, you're seeing more of like a, a parallax being more powerful than something like, a, um, what was it, the halfling thief that sends you know more to your bag. You, you, you see that sometimes, but... You don't see that as powerful as someone needing to really just re-roll stuff and get those rolls that they're they're dependent upon. If I have, say, 12 dice, though, eight sidekicks, four characters or actions, what I draw is vital. Understand I, I need to roll whatever I draw, but I could have characters, like when we were playing last week in the little event here where we started with limited wish. I noticed that my limited wish only came out of the bag twice. So specifically watching one die, how long it took, that was like a 25 minute game and it didn't come out to last both times. You know, even if my character doesn't roll, I just feel like I'm in more control if I can control that bag. But, Obviously, you do need to this. roll it. You so, do need to exactly. roll it. If you rolled everything perfectly every time, then do you need bag cycle? You always need bag cycle. If you roll if you everything add, like, perfectly, do you need to? Uh, if I keep stuff out of my the field. only The only reason why you want to cycle through the bag and, and mitigate the bag, um, you know, 
getting clogged up is because if you do miss roll, like you said, you're not going to see it for a couple turns unless you do have these really good things. But again, even if you have those, you're, if you don't roll it, it's just never going to work. You're never going to win. It depends. Like Baron Zemo, if I'm real, rolling perfectly, I still need to cycle it through my bag because he's unblockable when I'm playing him. So if I'm not continually pulling him out, then I'm in trouble. And if you never roll him, he'll just con- still be going through the bag over and over. True. I just think it's, it's very vital and don't underestimate the draws. So, yeah, so I, gotta, I have to ask you, Zach, how, have you ever been in that situation where you're probably on, the, you're, you're at turns, you're on that last turn, and you're like, I just need that one character that comes out, but then you pull out four sidekicks. What do you do in that situation? Well, uh, that's a good point, because this last time we were playing with the limited wish, had to roll it, and I could not, I, I mean, I rolled it five or six times, right? And never rolled the limited wish. And we had a rule where you can't win unless you get someone in the field that you have. And can, can, I, de- can, I, defend, can I defend that rule? Like, that was not meant to, like, stall your game out <laughs> right. like that. That was initially meant to keep it so that your opponent just doesn't play, like, a full on rush team right. and just yeah, tries to yeah. wreck you without even using limited exactly. wish at all. In my situation, it came down to I could win several times, but I could never get that character out because they didn't roll. And that character was Gorilla Grodd. All I had to do was roll it once. And there were several times that I would either not get it, um, the reclaim maybe didn't uh, line up right, where um, I didn't roll it and I couldn't immediately, you know, use the reclaim to send it back over. And so I had to wait two turns. But I knew, and I could plan ahead and say, all right, I'm going to get this filled out, maybe some control units or enough blockers to, d- to delay it. Because I know I will eventually get that character. Yes, it may be delayed a turn, but if I don't roll it, I need to plan for that. So when I do roll it, I win. And so I, I-, I think it's easier to recover from not drawing it one turn to maybe getting it the next turn um, as opposed to not rolling it forever. Well, if if we're talking about, like, not rolling, so I'm always rolling energy, I could agree with that. But if we're talking about... Because it's impossible to not ever draw what you're... You will eventually. Unless they're amazing with halfling thief. That that or or somebody drops their limited wish dice and never goes back into the bag. Lysa Drac, is (laughs) that that the other one? Those are the two that will clog your bag. Other than that, there's not a whole lot. Dr. J is going to be mad that you did not mention Killer Frost. Can, can, I, can I say that? So there are certain <laughs> ways to, to clog your bag, but eventually, unless they're amazing at those, you will draw things. But you can never say for sure, I will always right. roll but if, these if correctly. You, if you told me I could have average rolls in a game, but perfect draws, I'd much rather have the perfect draws than average rolls. See, I, w- I would much rather have perfect rolls because then you're getting what you need and you don't have But to you're not getting through. what you need. You're rolling what you need, but you're not getting what you need. Does you that will, make though. Sense? You will get it. It's impossible not to, to, to just not draw what, whatever you've purchased. But if you draw four sidekicks at the, at the wrong 15, time, 20 how, minutes lo- how long game? does it delay you? Well, the, One turn, maybe two. Have you two. seen how, how long you but press But roll that. <laughs> but what, what happens, though, yeah. if you draw four sidekicks late in a game, that's like you lose a turn. If you have everything purchased that you need, and you draw, which I've done in competitive, four sidekicks, that's, I, I just wasted my turn, and I got to hope that I live till the next one. It depends. I, I would have hoped if I'm drawing four that I have a plan for that, and I, and I will be able to recover. 
either either I'm I'm rolling sidekicks, I'm rolling dried energy using globals or actions, and I'm ready the next turn when I do draw it. Because one one turn of drawing four sidekicks shouldn't make or break your team. But if you're at the end of that game and all you need to do is roll Gorilla Grod, Beholder, something, I mean, that could make or literally make or break the game. It happened once. I won the win of feed once because all I had to do is roll one Beholder once, and I had that one turn. If I rolled it, I win. If I didn't, I lose. And I happened to roll it, and I won a feed. Right, but you had to pull it before you even got to the 50-50 chance of rolling it, right? Um, actually, it was it was in like the turn five type of thing. So I, I had one of two chances to draw it. So one of those two turns that I rolled that I would grab it, I just had to roll it. It didn't matter which one. They couldn't have beat you before? Correct. Hmm. Random aside, how often do you use the pitch a card and reroll all your destiny dice thing? Or oh, all the time. Just, yeah. Okay, just 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 double checking. <laughs> yeah, that's right, guys. I play other games, and they're all dice rolling games, which makes zero sense. <laughs> all right. So as you guys can see, that this is kind of a you know, I'd probably say this is a stalemate. I see I see strains on both of your both of you guys' arguments. But what I want to hear is from all you at home. What do you guys think? Are draws more important, or are rolls more important? And keep in mind, whatever you say is going to go directly into both of these guys' egos. So pick wisely, uh, <laughs> guys. Thank you so much for um, to, to, to just having this debate. And I'm glad we didn't get bloodied or anything. Um, and we will have both of you guys on later on in the show to talk about another, I think, important um, approach, important skill in this game that everybody kind of takes a little bit differently. And that's how to analyze your opponent's team and how you respond with your team. Okay, guys, we are here with the KO King and Dr. J. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting segment. <laughs> um, I don't know what is, we're talking about, but you're going down. <laughs> It is it is time <laughs> for our featured basic basic action, which is upgrade proton cannon from the Iron Man War Machine set. Um, if you're not familiar with it, it is a two cost basic action, and it reads: target character die you control gains over crush, and KO that car- character die at end of turn if it isn't a fist character die. So, first, let's start off why you would want to use this card versus you know a Hulk out because that's also a two cost and does essentially the same thing. There's no benefit to it at all. I mean, it's a really weak version of Hulk out as far as I'm concerned. Wow. <laughs> well, wow. we, we, we started early this time. Like we didn't even, what are we, 30 seconds in? <laughs> so I think it's important to look at this as not the negative with the KO. Yeah. And we well, do this I, I, should, I should mention that it is. this is... Hulk out is not legal in modern and right. prime. So people, <laughs> before you guys send in your emails, yeah, right. that's one reason. <laughs> we see a lot of cards in the game that have a if this, and we take it as a negative. This is a perfect example of it. I think a lot of people read this and say, well, if I don't put it on a fist, then it's going to KO my character, and I'm not running fists. That's actually why I run it on one, one, one of my teams. So you guys know one of my favorite teams or one of my favorite characters is this rare um, Miguel O'Hara who has fast and he's mm-hmm. his fist. This works so awesome with him. <laughs> yeah, overcrush and fast together is a devastating right. combo. So, yeah, that would work really well with him. So actually my favorite character to put this proton cannon on is a bolt, and it's Nitro, the common that he KO- when he's KO'd, KO character of your opponents with the this equal to or higher defense. So I'm over crushing him. He doesn't have the best stats, but he has decent stats. 
over crushing him. And then if they block, it's going to KO. So it gives me the benefit of the, the KO damage or the over crush damage. Plus I get to take something out of their field. So it's really nice. There's other things that you can add it to that you want to KO after the attack step that gives you a benefit. So you can put it on scare. Oh wait, he's a fist. Right. And the timing really doesn't work with Scarecrow, you know, which. Yeah. So that was, I was going to ask you, because now that we've kind of entered this prime and modern era, your, your wonderful blue eyes is no longer there. Um, how, how do you kind of, are how are you like, how in terms of this, in terms of its timing window, how does that work to your advantage? Cause it is at the end of your turn. So specifically with proton cannon, it's things that you, that you want to trigger at that time. For instance, I think another one great to pair it with is Tony Stark, the What If, which I think is another card a lot of people read and it doesn't seem that good. But when Tony Stark is KO'd, he deals damage equal to his attack divided among any number of target opposing character die. So I put Proton Cannon on him. He's a, let's say, level three at seven. He's a five, six, or seven, but level three, he's a level seven. He's seven attack. I give him overcrush. They're gonna, no matter what yeah. they block with, I then have seven to disperse among my opponent's characters. So I can hit overcrush and wipe the field. So there's an added benefit there. There's also uh, Slash, which I've tinkered a little bit with from, T- from Turtles. You know, when he's KO'd, deal damage equal to the energy that's in the reserve pool. So a lot of times they don't have energy, so I like to... Com- like pair him with, uh, is it Magneto? The Phoenix Force Magneto that re-roll, then they have energy, then you KO Slash, and then they take that damage, plus their field was wiped. So you're looking at stuff that kind of end of turn KO, which is nice. So Yeah, I really, I, I, I love the, the upgrades in general, just because they're energy specific, and so I feel more safe bringing the Proton Cannon than Hulk out, you know, if I have a team that's got a lot of fist characters or my opponent doesn't, you know, it's just you're planning for your own team and it's there. It's tailored to your team and your opponent. It's less it's less usable to them. They can't just be like, oh, well, I'm just going to buy up all your basic actions because that might end up hurting them. So this is a great example of a basic action where if your team is designed to use it, it's going to help your team out a lot. If your team is not designed to use it, it's going to hurt it. And I, I just wouldn't be fearful of running it even if and don't be fearful of purchasing it if you have a character with high attack stats i think it's worth the ko yeah if that I, makes sense like uh because because there are actually some characters that have high attack stats but their defense is already low so you're really not like a goblin attack force you're, but yeah you're not a fist anyway yeah you're, you're not really losing right. anything at that point right because yeah. it's going to get ko'd either way so why not do this and have a cheap way of applying Overcrush to it versus, right. let, let's say, you know, a, Mary, a rare Mary Jane where she can give Overcrush, but she has her own stipulations, one, fielding her, and then it can't be a villain, which I had to remind you the other day a couple times about. <laughs> right. But then she's also an example of where this would be good because she has a when fielded. So this is an ability to kind of... That's a little meta, man. Giving an over the a character that gives overcrush, overcrush, so you can KO her, <laughs> so she can give overcrush again. But you're gonna KO the the other time I've occasionally used this against Doctor J's Doomsday team is when I want 
when I want one of my characters KO'd because I don't want them in the field to go to my bag, if that makes sense. Yeah. So there are those times when KO and prep area is better than in the field, which sounds strange or, you know, so make sure that you're using it to your, your benefit. The KO is okay. Don't be afraid of KO. That's what I'd say. There, there are times when I'm playing Rust with my Doomsday team and he brings this and I'll buy it and use it on my Doomsday, not for the overcrush necessarily, but if I roll him on level one, I don't want him on level one. You know, I want him on a higher level and he's got an awesome win field ability. So you put it on him and then he gets KO'd. So the next turn you can just re-roll him, hopefully on a higher level. You get to use his win fielded effect again. And then, you know, it's just a good way to, to cycle those big. And sometimes, you know, he, 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 he himself has pretty high attack. So you may just. Oh, yeah. He tops just, out at 7-7. Seven, seven, yeah. You may so. just want to just attack and. All right. Here, take that overcrush damage. Yeah. Right. So in general, I, and, and this goes for, in my opinion, all the upgrades. Take the second line that is meant to be a negative and use it as a positive. I, I, I personally like Proton Cannon better than. Uh, Hulk out simply because how I play the KO effect. It's it's less versatile for your opponent, right? But you're ready to use it. This right. is Russ's personal crusade in this game. Is every time <laughs> there's a card that has an awful ability or like a caveat to it, he's like, I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna build a team around that and make it good. And so there are times when you think if you think a card is really really bad, you might be able to make it work on the right team. Yeah, and it this is I, I like how it's cheap and stuff. And you want to know my favorite way of using this, and it's it's only one specific time too. And it was during the PDC. I knew this was going to cost me the game, but I still did it. Uh-huh. I sit down across from Russ. He has his awesome team that relies on Overcrush. <laughs> oh, you buy them all. <laughs> I roll right. six energy. I'm going to buy all of those. I knew that was going to kill me in that game. I still did it and. It was Russ's reaction was just made it worth it. It was worth getting that loss just to see Russ's reaction. That, that PDC, I did the same thing, but I bought all of his heroic defense. <laughs> yeah, right after me, so he's already bitter about it. It was awesome. And, and also, I would say this works really great with heroic defense, right? Because you automatically get that KO. So you're guaranteed to get at least one life gain right. that turn. Mm-hmm. So. All right, um, so we want to know how you guys feel about this upgrade Proton Cannon. By the way, I love how they do the upgrade and then just have one for every energy. Plus, it's from the arts from Armor Wars, yeah. which I love. Um, but we want to hear for, from you guys what you guys feel about this. Shoot us an email, doubleburst at ktdata.net, or leave it on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash doubleburst. Gentlemen, we'll have you back in a second to kind of have you sit down and walk us through your process when you sit down against an opponent and you see what their win condition is. Okay, guys, we are back with the full crew. We have the KO King over here doing something. I don't know. Uh, Ken Paul, <laughs> Zach, and and Jared, how are you all doing? Uh, good. Doing good. So this, the, I, I'm actually excited for this because this is actually a good segment that we're doing for our roundtable. It was suggested by Reddit user Ross Foss. I like that name. It rhymes. Um, but he asked us if we could do a segment on what you do when you sit down in a match and, you, and how do you identify your opponent's win condition and how you adjust your play to kind of counter that win condition and give you that edge that you need to, to, to win the match, of course, right? Um, so who, who wants to kind of start out first? Because I know everybody has a little bit of a different approach in this. So uh, the difference between Dice Masters and other games like Magic, things like that, is that you can see their whole team up front. And if you know all of the cards, then you can, you can kind of 
analyze that and figure out their strategy. Yeah. So or at least some advantage. of the key, uh, at least some of the keywords too, right? You know, you, you may not know all the overcrush characters, but if you see that keyword, you're like, that might be sure. something they're doing, right? Yes. Another thing along with that is obviously you need to know uh, kind of how a lot of the abilities work, but also. Um, be conscious of the basic actions and globals. Some people forget about looking at those things and they can, they can be a big part of teams. And so if you're looking at those things combined with their characters, you should be able to figure out what their win condition is. And then you can then adjust your team and your play based on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, so what I, what I do is I sit down and say, I hope I roll characters this game, but, um, Anybody else who's better at this game? Than <laughs> yeah. So one one thing that I do when whenever I sit down across from somebody, the first thing I do is I look and ask them what their globals are, if they have any. And then I look and I see what their basic actions are, because lots of times basic actions are going to tell you what their win condition is. You know, playing in the PDC draft when I played against Zach, he had Dimension Door. I instantly knew Dimension Door is part of his win condition or, you know, that's going to be the easier road to, for him to win. And so... I played that by I played that game by buying up his dimension doors so that he couldn't use them against me. Uh, but there are other basic actions that you want to keep an eye out for. Front line, they're going to try to get a field and, and swing at you. They're probably going to try to you know they they probably have more littler characters, so you want to try to counter that. So yeah, they if they have proton struggle, cannon, betrayal, haymaker, any of those. yeah, anything that gives overcrush like haymaker, that's one of those. So really. Pay attention to the basic actions because the basic actions are going to tell you what it is they're going to try to do. If they bring support basic actions like mutation or magic missile, I mean, magic missile can be used as a win condition, but it's usually not. If they bring those, then you're going to want to look inside their character cards to see what their win condition is, see if they have any big, massive characters like Gorilla Grodd with like big, you know, all encompassing abilities heavy hitters that's what you're going to want to look you for you know and like so say with and some specific cards like you know that king shark that gets the overcrush and the boost what yeah. i do is okay i see that then i'm looking what are his crossover characters that he's going to try to buy to make that work yeah try to if you can find the combos in their cards and that'll i think illuminate a little bit of what their win condition is yeah. going to be i'll give you guys a hint if you can play russ just look for all the cards that say when ko'd <laughs> If you're playing so. Russ, just give up trying to figure it out and wait till he tries <laughs> to do it. So for competitive, and this is this is going to sound funny, but the f- first thing I do sitting across from an opponent is figure out what I want to steal. So because I'm usually playing. Start scared. with their wallet. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so, oh, I hope he buys that red dragon. Come on. Right? So I am trying to figure out what my opponent is trying, what I want to take from my opponent. And then as the game starts, I'm trying to get them, them into buying that character. Right. I mean, it sounds funny, but I'm trying to get them to purchase the character that I want to buy, and then I want to time it so I can get my scarecrow at the same time. Whether it's uh, you know something like a bard or a red dragon, whatever it is, I'm going to somewhat play sheepish to put things in the field that make them seem like they're going to have the benefit, and then I pull out my scarecrow and take it when I want to. And, and it doesn't have to be you know scarecrow like steal right. something, but you can look at your team and say, all right, what on my team can hurt them? Yeah, and sometimes it could just be the same thing they do. Like, I know for Delayed Blast Fireball, if I see my opponent buying it that turn, I am going to 
do whatever possible to buy one my next turn because I know the timing's going to... Usually the timing ends up working out where they'll play theirs first, but then you'll have yours after theirs has already triggered. So it kind of turns a table on them, and especially with a five-cost action, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt. Right, and mo- most of my competitive teams I have, uh, say, f- three to four cards that I am going to play based on what team I'm playing against. So... When I play, say, Jared, it's going to look much different than when I play Ken. So when I sit down, I'm looking at at which direction I want to take. If I'm sitting a, across from a ring team with, uh, say, my control by death team, if I'm sitting across from a ring team, I'm actually going aggro and I'm going blue eyes, the actual character. Right, I'm not going to try to control. I'm not going to try to slow the game down because that's yeah. You're just simply you're, not going to work. Yeah, you're trying to outpace them at that point. I and mean, I know I've played against Ken a couple times where sometimes I'm like, okay, his team's going to take a little bit to set up, so I'm going to tr- try to buy uh, my big hitters as soon as I can and just start swinging at him and keep him on the defensive. So he, you know, it takes him even longer to get his win condition set up. Right. So I think one thing you want to do when you sit around, sit down from your opponent is figure out their pace of play. If that makes sense, are they going? Are they aggro? Are they right. control? And you may have to adjust your team based on that, right? Or purchase and things like that. As a generally aggro-minded player, like I build my teams thinking, how do I want to win, and I go from there, and kind of build backwards from that. That doesn't seem when right when I sit down across from <laughs> someone. Uh, the first thing I'm looking for is, can I stick to my game plan? Or do they have something that's going to disrupt me? Can I can I outpace them? Can I uh, expect that whatever I normally do is that going to work? If not, then why? If I need to use, uh, if I need to efficiently use something like the Professor X Global, and I see that they've got LV for nefarious broadcast, I'm concerned. That's going to mess me up. And from there, it's okay. What do I do? Do I uh, try to suck it up and get a couple of early rounds of getting that Professor X uh, ramp? Do I abandon that and try to do something else with my team, like whatever it happens to be? Um, If I'm running a ring team, do they have action removal? If I'm running... uh, if I'm running some big combo, do they have something, some way to lock it out? Whatever it is, I'm looking for if I can stick to my plan. And if I can't, do I have some other plan that's readily available that I can do? One thing you don't want to do is adjust incorrectly. Like, oh, this guy has an aggro team. I need to be faster than him. But you do not have an aggro yeah, team. And it you're, would you're, not work. Yeah, your so combo takes like 10 to be, characters Yeah, on you're the field, trying so. to be aggro. And just you're playing their game and you're going to lose. So you need to know how to play maybe your team against an aggro mm-hmm. team, a control team, and be able to adjust in a way that your team can work. Usually you need to have more than one win condition, maybe one way against a control team, one way against an aggro team, for mm-hmm. example. Yeah, and, and that, that actually comes down, especially when you're going to competitive events. Don't just throw your team together like the night before. Well, in drafts, I yep. think you use this the most during drafts because you're playing... Uh, a lot of different teams that where you've maybe never even seen this character or played and with them. No team is optimized at all. Exactly, and so you have to really be be quick thinking and say, "All right, how am I gonna how am I gonna adjust to this?" You buy all trust all the trusted friend dice. I think it's fun in a draft when you can pick out your opponent's win con that they don't see. 
You know, there's yeah. plenty of times where someone builds a certain way and they go, I'm going to use these two or three characters to win. And you look at it and you go, man, he would have stumped me if he would have bought that one. One of that. Yeah. It would have ended the game. They would have won in half the time. They didn't buy it. I ended up winning. You know, this was that was one of the, one of the things that happened at, at our PD, one of our other PDC drafts. It was me and Yuri were in the finals and man, it was it was a lot of this seeing what the other person was doing and then adjusting. So the first game, I mean, I got out my uncommon Hydrabot, which gives all Deadpool characters fast. And I used that to put the pressure on him and to take out his field without worrying about mine being taken out. And I beat him. Well, the next game, he 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 knows what I'm what my strategy is. So what he does is he buys Lockjaw, you know, and is using that to KO my characters because they have all low defense and he's getting Hydra Bob out of the field. Well, I see that, and so I buy Lady Lady Bullseye, thinking, okay, I'm going to field her. I'm going to force Lockjaw to block so I can get him out of the field. That happens, so I adjust to his Lockjaw, and then he buys Miguel O'Hara, who has fast, and so awesome. I use, and so I use I use Lady Bullseye, force his Lockjaw to block, and then he double blocks with Lockjaw and Miguel O'Hara, so the fast takes out Lady Bullseye, and it was just this constant adjusting to each other's strategies, and he he ended up winning the whole thing because of it. And so I think it's something that new players really struggle with trying to adjust and not just stick with the same old routine, but there are so many different angles that you can look at your team. You know, there's probably two or three different angles that you can look at it. And if you are able to see all those things and you're going to do a whole lot better in piloting your team. That's why for me, top, top eight cuts, two out of three is my favorite way to play. Oh, I totally prefer it. Yeah. I, I will, and it may end up costing me, but a lot of times I end up playing a little slower, which is weird for me. As a two out of you three slow, starts. you're usually done in like three <laughs> minutes, dude. As a two out of three starts, so that I start to see what my opponent's doing. Even if I give up that first game and I figure out their strategy and figure out how my team's going to do against it, I I really enjoy that. You like baiting is, people. I, 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 I seem to notice that. I do. I'm starting to realize that. <laughs> so the other thing that I think is important when I sit down for my opponent, and this really happens, I think, with newer players, where their win condition is open to me as well. They're using globals and basic actions. I think probably I mean, the, the simplest the, is the vicious struggle yeah. Luke cage it's like whoever buys those first is going to win so right you know that's why you should know some of these more kind of common i'd say mutual win conditions that you can use right so and then you've got sometimes your opponent's ramp like uh the villain villainous pact their ramp could no be villains. could be your win condition so it's it's really important to sit around, sit down, analyze their actions, their globals, see how they can help you, see what they're trying to do with it, and if you have Scarecrow, figure out how you're going to help them buy their most expensive character to kill them. That actually came up recently. I I was watching a game where somebody had brought Villainous Pact, and six out of their eight cards were villains, right? But they only bought like two of the villain dice and they were buying them off the other two cards that weren't villains. And the whole time I was sitting there, I wanted to like scream in the other player's ear, like buy villainous pact. I mean, adjust your play and buy that. And you're going to totally win because even though they had a ton of villains, they weren't in the field. 
And so you always want to look and, and reassess the whole situation, the whole game, and say, is there something else I can do to gain the upper hand? Adjusting your play is so big in this game. You see globals that players have brought, uh, like energy fixers as an example, and they're worried about the energy fixer. They sit down from their opponent. Their opponent has no crossover characters, and they have Merlin as an example, but they don't go for that. Yeah, they don't it. go for Merlin because they're worried about all the other stuff. When Merlin's a win condition because they can't block him. So ever. so many people get caught up in their, um, you know, their win condition. I, I you know, this is my plan. I'm going to stick to it, but not realizing your opponent has that perfect basic basic action or perfect global that's going to make your team win maybe a turn or two faster. Yeah, I, I was playing against Steve. I can pick on him because he's not here. <laughs> he had uh, Natalia Romanova with limited wish, got it turn two and had it out every turn. I brought, um, what's the new uh, D&D distraction global? Blink, Blink transmutation. I brought yeah. that and uh, he didn't use the global to attack with her and bring it back. And so he, he kicked my butt, so I can also say this. But um, he, he would have won probably three turns earlier had he just attacked and brought her back and done the four damage. I mean, he still won, but... He could have won easily three turns earlier, probably. Yeah, I I know a couple people who've done, who's done that against me. Like you know, Doctor. I don't know what you're talking bring, about. Bring I always it. optimize my play. Yeah, every yeah. time. Yeah, like so, <laughs> yeah. One time I was playing against Doctor J. We both were playing Overcrush teams. I had brought Kona Cold, and then Doctor J on the last uh, like three turns before the end of the game, he could have won it there because he rolled four fists, and for some odd reason, he just decided to re-roll it's them. It's because you have a wall that covers up your basic action cards and you can't read them, okay? <laughs> Kevin's got this little thing, this little tray that he sets his stuff on, and half of his basic actions are always hidden behind this little and, wall, and I couldn't <laughs> just couldn't see the global. Yeah, because you all. don't know what the basic actions are or globals yeah. in this game. Especially when hey. it's a reprint. Hey, hey, man, you got to see that red text. You got it. It stands out. I will say make sure, because I am so bad at this, you guys know, in, in casual, that I am so worried about a combo or making something happen. If you're in a competitive tournament, don't get stuck saying this is this is how I win. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. You, you're just trying to uh, deal them damage. I mean, I've had games with Kevin where he's like, are you going to attack? And I'm like, oh, yeah, there's an attack yeah, step yeah, in this like game. The, the first couple times I played you and I didn't know you that well, I'm like, does, is this guy just toying with me or something? Like, if he <laughs> just attacks, it'd be over. An- another interesting thing that, that I run into, especially playing Russ, is he does, like, sometimes you don't see, you know, that you have this really simple, easy win combo <laughs> against somebody. And you're like, you are, you're trying to pull off. A combo where you're I need trying to, to get use the right all ten out. dice I just drew the surge. But you might have like a perfect counter to your opponent to your opponent's team, and you just need to see it and just go with it. You know, <laughs> buy the Baron Zemo important. and attack with the Baron Zemo. You don't need that Nightwing. You just attack with Baron Zemo until they're dead. Hey, we're gonna make that Dick Grayson work. It's Dick combos Grayson, are important. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe most maybe most games you need all those pieces I, out to win, but sometimes I you know just you don't. Guys, Everybody on the team gets very frustrated watching me practice because everyone is always saying, nah. just attack or just buy it. I'm like, because well, you that don't win unless do your combo goes off. <laughs> You're complaining the whole rest of the night that unless your combo goes I know. off. I went four uh, and no, but I didn't get my combo going off. That doesn't help me practice. I need to know if it's going to if work. If you I win, you've, you've practiced. <laughs> no. You know how to win it. You don't have to have a four person die combo. But so, I need to see if it works. 
That's important. To win or just yeah, well, yeah to win. Because you don't win, win unless your combo goes off. Later, I don't want to win. If it's harder, if it's if it's harder to pull the combo off, if it's harder to pull the combo off than it is to just kill your opponent, like maybe you should rethink the combo or scrap it and start. Well, fresh. maybe the combo was more fun than winning. Maybe maybe we should like start a new game called Combo Masters just for us, <laughs> and we'll we'll get all the invincible characters for you, and then. Then, like the whole game is like you can't win unless you pull the, off a crazy. The combo. more confusing that I can make my team <laughs> makes it makes it more difficult for my opponent to sit down and, and try to analyze. And that's the my uh, team. that's the other side of this, right? If you come with right. just a crazy combo that no one would expect, they're gonna look across and look at your team and be like, "What is going on here?" And they're gonna look at it for a few seconds and just give up. They're not yeah. even gonna try to figure Remember it out. Remember my saggy red hood. Yeah, uh, like, like yeah, we reference it frequently yeah, on here. Affiliate. That one was awesome. My opponent could never figure out what I was doing, even when I was triggering. That's because you didn't know what you were <laughs> yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you realize that I'm like I, I've been borderline a couple times just to pack a whiteboard in my dice master stuff so I can diagram this during a match. <laughs> like I said, it makes it more difficult for my opponent to figure out, and then all I do is put. Scarecrow in the field while they're trying to figure it out. I just take their red dragon and breath weapon them. Again. I love how you have like all these combos <laughs> and it's just like it's just it's just smoke and mirrors. Smoke and mirrors. <laughs> it's like all right, they bought Gorilla Grodd. I'm gonna steal it and win. Like that's it. Your whole win condition is Scarecrow, but it's just like and, all these and, other characters and, and actions. And the whole time he has like a ten ten Thanos that's just sitting there on the field and he forgets <laughs> to use it. I I've done that. I uh, a couple weeks ago I was playing someone and I. They, I had Cold Gun and Scarecrow was basically all I was doing, and they had uh, Two Face, but their Two Face was on a high enough level that I could blank it with my Cold Guns and leave it in the field. So she was in a terrible position because I was just keeping her Two Face in the field and stealing it on my turn because my character Scarecrow was rolling incredibly. So she was. Oh, really? She was just, rolling. Yeah. She was just stuck because if she attacked with Two Face, I just took the damage and blocked with like a sidekick, and then I'd steal it with Scarecrow, and I ended up just killing her, just keeping her own character in the field. It was a lot of fun. So if we've we've we learned anything today, Russ is a bully. Yeah. Well, that and. <laughs> And as we've said many, many times, practice, 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 you know, like mm -hmm. kind of all of this, you know, what, what do you look for against your opponent? Um, if you, if you can practice, if it's a constructed thing, especially for competitive, the more different things you can practice against, the more, uh, you'll know how to adjust your play style when you see different types of teams. Um, and I guess the, the, like the best way to correlate that to draft is Take a minute and read the cards that you're not familiar with, mm -hmm. what, what your opponent has. Yeah. Ask them. If, if they won't hand them to you, then walk around and look over their shoulder if they're going to be If they want to like be that, that guy, yeah. you know. But all that information is available to you. Take a minute and look at it. If, it's, if there's things that you're not familiar with, look at it mm -hmm. and think about and it. And ask questions, too, because yeah. I, I know yeah. some of the cards where I, I don't remember anything. I, I'm like, what does that do again? Or like, so if this happens with this, you ask your opponent before you, you don't even have to ask oh, the judge. Yeah. Cause sometimes yeah. your opponent's and like, Oh yeah, it works like this. I know it's kind of weird. And don't be afraid to ask about interactions before you have to deal with them. Yeah. If, if you look yeah. at something and you say, so, you know, if I block with this character that does a well blocking thing and this one has a when blocked thing, how exactly is that going to trigger? And if your opponent 
for, is uncooperative. Ask a TO. Yeah. Ask whoever is in charge. Someone w- will give you an answer before you're uh, faced with whatever that scenario is. Um, and and read your, read the opponent's cards. Practice as much as you can with constructed. Yeah, practice the, practice against with, every with, different team you can find too. Against every different opponent, every different team. Play a lot. Know your team and how it works against different builds. Yeah, and I know people sometimes go, "Well, I don't have a lot of players in my area who are who have these different teams." I, I always tell them, "Play play the the mental exercise of it. Like, yeah. not even a full game. Say, okay, what happens if I have my team out on the field like this and my opponent has a cold gun? How am I gonna Mike, work around that and stuff?" Mike Plum wrote a really good article about how he brews and how he tunes his teams uh and what he said kind of the gist the biggest thing that i took away from it was he plays his teams uh he plays them by himself but he plays them against what he feels are the biggest threats generally other big meta teams and the team that he's playing against he just sets the dice on the perfect roles he those teams play perfectly mm-hmm. so that he can see the worst case scenario against some of the top meta teams that is a great way to practice if you don't have other people to play with the other thing i would say because i think this is a debate uh online and then in some communities do i keep my team a secret or do i take it and practice i am fully on board with i want to get that out poke holes through it like that's when when i put it together i'm like guys i need you guys to find the weakness in this right if if you're playing to where you're trying to keep your team secret i don't think that's necessarily the most successful thing because you get half hour into a game and your opponent knows what you're going to do and you really haven't really poked holes in it yeah and it's and that information is going to spread fairly quickly especially in a competitive environment we've seen how uh that works for some of the less experienced players quite a few times and how frustrated they can get by what they thought was a killer combo failing just repeatedly not ever getting off the ground that yeah. gonna work. one of the one of the if, things if they yeah. if they had taken the time to practice they'd know hey that is not good it maybe it's almost good maybe it's total junk but if you practice you know if you've got a, a group of one or two people or even like mike plum does practice by yourself if you need to but uh playing with a group of people they're going to approach your team differently i know that me and russ we've played games we've done had brew sessions where we'll play three or four games and then we switch teams i run his team and he runs my team because we both see a great way to practice totally different way and it finds it shows other strengths and weaknesses that i may not have noticed in my team and he may not have noticed in his team um i also like if you're worried about the only people you can practice against are the same people you're going to play against try two or three different versions of your team and don't tell them which one you're going to bring yeah. uh have, or just have, have a move a, in mind right ken have yeah have have a have one slick move in mind <laughs> have have one card that you know is is going to work really well and make a radical difference that you can swap out at that last minute you know don't change your whole team leaving your whole your whole team secret i feel is too much of a risk if the only people you can practice against are the play, people you're going to play with maybe have the the four or five or six cards that are the core of your team and have two cards that are kind of wild slot that you might throw something different in or even practice knowing that you're going to switch that out and throw them a curveball yeah. so they're not totally ready for your team yeah one of, one of the things that you definitely don't want to do is build a team 
that is designed to counter the one that you're you know your buddy is going to bring because mm-hmm. if you take that to a big event yeah sure you, you'll win, you, you might win against your buddy but what about everybody else yeah you're gonna you're gonna go one and three you're gonna lo- win one game and you're gonna lose three because your team is only designed to beat that one team and so showing off your team to your to your friends or to your you know the people you're gonna play against is not really that big of a risk um for that reason alone and on top of that you don't know what you don't know yeah. you can practice your team every day every night for months and if you play against somebody else they might they might pick something out about your team that you never thought of yeah and kind of to that that also like brings up the importance of playing practicing against different people if i if i sit down and practice against dr j three nights a week for a month leading up to a pdc i have no idea how russ is going to handle it yeah and the more that i know about how other people are going to handle it and the more i see okay so Jared's bringing uh, a mask ring team. Russ is bringing uh, some fancy KO mechanics with uh, with Scarecrow. Kevin's bringing Ultraman. Zach is bringing Beholder. I know that I need to be ready for those four archetypes and a bunch of other things. Yeah, you know whether they're all ready for me or not is kind of irrelevant because I know I've got to be ready to some extent for each of them. And when I sit down across from them, whether it's them piloting it or someone else piloting something similar, I have an idea of what I need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I'll, I'll give you a good example. So the first PDC I ever was, that was probably a month, maybe two months after I started the game. I didn't know you guys really that well. I had built together a Avengers team using Green Goliath and everything else. That entire PDC, I bought Green Goliath and waited for it to cycle through my bag. You know what one of my basic actions were? Polymorph. Polymorph. Like, yeah. Because I, I, I was like, well, yeah, I, I, was, I, I was only looking at the globe. Like, yeah, sure, I can spin them up, you know, make, make sure it's useful for me. It never occurred to me once to use Polymorph to get Green Goliath into the field earlier than that. And if I had you know, practice with somebody or talk to somebody about it, you guys probably were like, hey, you know you can do that, right? Um, and that probably would have changed my games and made them a lot faster than sometimes because I knew some of them were just like a slog going through. I would say this. If you have a team and it works too well, let's say you're practicing and it's just stomping and you haven't found the weakness. Whenever I have one of those teams, I'm like, can I need to figure this out because this it shouldn't be this good. Something's wrong with it. Yeah, I feel like that a lot of the time that tends to be a big fish in a small pond right. problem, and you need to get it out into bigger waters and find something something that'll answer it. Right. What makes this game so good is there's counters to everything, right? Even the the super meta teams, if if there was a build specifically to counter that, you you can do it, right? Yeah, and. Uh, with some of the really, really good meta teams, you run into that. Right. I can counter that and do nothing else. Right. <laughs> yeah. But you can counter it. But, you know, we've talked about this in team building. My my teams are pretty pretty layered depending on what I'm going to go against. And if I'm not practicing, just like the last uh, WKO, I, had, I hadn't practiced my team. I knew it, and I'd played it a little bit, a couple days. But, you know, when I and playing my controlled by death team, I have to play two or three weeks just playing that so I can get in rhythm and I understand what's going on and what to do. And that's kind of how I play. If I, I, I'll be honest, I don't do well with guy Gardner or rain or, uh, 
barred. I don't know how to play. Yeah, those. if you want to, if you want to practice your WKO team, do not let Russ play the meta team across from you, <laughs> because it'll be like turn twelve. Bard still won't have been purchased. He will have never used Parallax once to reroll anything. Yeah, Guy Gardner has one die for some reason. I'm always all, asking you guys all of the basic actions are I don't know. It's really kind of sad. <laughs> I've won one Guy Gardner team. Alex walked me right through <laughs> so it. I, said, uh, I, I won. I won one it. one Guy Gardner game and. It it was one where I was playing against Ken's wife, and it was this event where we had to swap characters, and she took my zombie Magneto, and I got her Guy Gardner, and I just bought all the Guy Gardners, and she didn't buy zombie Magneto. But that's the only time I've ever won with Guy Gardner. <laughs> I won when Alex step-by-step step walked me through it. Oh, yeah. yeah while, <laughs> while, while playing Alex, too. The whole time I was like, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> Why would like, you do that? Do it. <laughs> Stop attacking all the time. This can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Um, yeah, I always, I always love seeing your guys' take. Um, if you guys ever come to Utah and play against us, you'll notice that when you play against all of us, it is a different experience between all of us. We could all be playing the same team, and you'd get a different experience just because we all approach it differently. So, um, again, big thanks to Ross, Fo- Ross Foss for giving us this topic. If you guys have any ideas for topics or if we didn't mention something about um, this topic, let us know. Shoot us an email, doubleburst at ktdata.net or facebook.com forward slash doubleburst. Gentlemen, thank you so much, and this episode is going to be posted after Easter, but all of you have a good Easter. And that's it for this episode of the Double Burst Podcast. We would love to hear from you guys. What do you think? What's more important, draws or rolls? Let us know. Shoot us an email at doubleburst at ktdata.net or leave it on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash doubleburst. Of course, check out doubleburst.com for past episodes, cool player resources, and a place to subscribe so you automatically get this show. I'll give you a hint. If you subscribe before the weekend, you may get an awesome present delivered automatically into your stream not check it out doubleburst.com big thanks to game haven sandy for giving us a place to record if you guys live in utah check them out and if not check them out online at yourgamehaven.com of course big thanks to everybody who listens to the show we all appreciate it and until next time my friends may your dice rolls be ever in your favor 